Your energy is 50% of the work. You showing up with that same energy you started with when engagement was up, when reach was up, when people were watching your stories, when people were clicking on your links and DMing you, that energy is hard to hold when engagement and reach goes down. Go and do something to ground in that first energy that you had. Welcome to She Leads First, a podcast for female entrepreneurs who are ready to build a brand that will become a revenue-generating machine. Hey guys, I'm Emily Sincata, a brand and business strategist with years of experience in both marketing and online product development. Each week, myself and my guests are going to share our own experiences and knowledge with you so that you can figure out exactly what about your brand is going to keep people coming back for more. You'll leave this podcast equipped with the confidence to tackle those big goals that are going to scale the impact of your brand and your bank account. It's time for you to embody that CEO energy and start leading first. After all, you're building more than just a business. You are building a movement. Before we dive into today's interview with my very special guest, I want to let you know that this is an episode that you are going to want to take notes on or you're going to want to listen to it more than once if you are moving and you are on the go when you are consuming this episode, whichever is perfect. But I am giving you fair warning now that this episode is jam-packed with tangible value. My special guest today is Shirley Mossad of the business and online handle Social Shirley, and she is a marketing and business coach that has a no-fluff approach when it comes to marketing your business online and getting the most out of your time on Instagram. Shirley is somebody that I have developed such a close working relationship over the last few years. I think she is phenomenal, and it just means the world to me that I get to introduce her and her magic to all of you through today's interview. Shirley's background actually started in the pharmaceutical industry. And yes, don't worry, we dive into it in the episode so you can hear all about how she went from that to where she is now. But Shirley also had three children in three years, all right at the time where she was getting ready to quit her nine to five and start her very own social media marketing business. When I tell you this woman is superwoman, I really, really mean it. After a couple of years of hands-on experience with social media marketing, including growing several accounts that she was managing to the thousands and tens of thousands even, Shirley found her true passion in helping coaches to harness the power of social media marketing to build their brand and grow their businesses. Shirley is a coach, a mentor, and like I said, she has a no-fluff approach to marketing. You'll see as soon as we get to speaking that everything she does is so easy to understand. She makes it so simple and so fun for you to run with and just make sense of what you are doing online. She's on a mission to show coaches and business owners that building your brand online so that people fall in love with you and want what you have to sell is not complicated and it does not need to be difficult. Shirley has built her business around her life, and she's proof that you don't need to work 24-7 to grow your business and scale it, but that you can achieve your own version of success according to your own schedule around your own family, and you can use a sustainable business and marketing strategy to do so. She is such a breath of fresh air, such a wealth of wisdom, and I cannot wait for you to learn and dive into this episode and soak up all of the wisdom that she has to share. 
Hello, 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 Shirley. Welcome to the show. I am so excited that you are here. Thank you so much. I am equally, if not more, excited to be on. Uh, I am like selfishly so excited to catch up with you. (laughs) For everyone listening, Shirley and I are old friends on here and I love her so much. And I just want to like talk to her about everything she's doing in her life. So you guys might get to listen to a little bit of our conversation as well in here today. But if you guys don't know Shirley, she is an Instagram marketing expert. And I have asked her to pull out all the stops for us today and give us a really strategic episode on how to make the most of what we are doing on Instagram. And I know that you guys are going to get just so much wisdom and good nuggets to take home and take into your strategy from her today in this episode. Before we dive into the good stuff though, Shirley. I love to talk to people about how they got into what they are doing now. And I know that you have kind of an interesting backstory as most online entrepreneurs do, where we started off doing one thing and then somehow we went down the rabbit hole and ended up in a completely different career. And so I would love for people who don't know you and aren't familiar with your story to for you to share with us a little bit high level of where you started off your career and how you got into what you are doing now. Yeah, of course. So I started in pharmacy. So I wouldn't really call myself a pharmacist now. I still have my (laughs) registration. I'm a pharmacist and I studied pharmacy, went into community pharmacy for a couple of years, then went into industry pharmaceuticals, which is corporate pharmacy, basically. And I was on the other side of the marketing team, reviewing their marketing materials that they are going to present to doctors to sell our pharmaceutical products. And I was making sure they were medically sound, scientifically sound from a pharmacy science perspective. But then I got to sit in on the marketing meetings. And that is when I found my true love for the world of marketing. And I really felt like every time I was in the room with these marketing experts, I felt like I was home. And I went on to have three children back to back. So I had three kids in three years. And it was at the end of my second maternity leave that one of my friends said to me, she's an interior designer. And she said to me, why don't you come and manage our socials while, you know, you're on this break? Well, not really a break, but (laughs) while you're (laughs) off break. (laughs) just taking care of little humans. I said to her, how is that even a thing? Do people actually do this kind of thing? She said, yeah, it's called, you know, social media management. And, you know, we will employ you and, you know, pay you and you can just manage our socials. And so I did that for a while and it was so much fun. But besides the fun part, they were actually seeing results on their socials and not just in terms of growth and engagement and all the rest of it, but they were starting to get inquiries. And I thought to myself, what if this is it? What if this is, you know, my place, you know? And so after I had my daughter, she is my third child, I quit my nine to five, which for me, if anyone knows me well, is a huge deal. I'm very risk averse I do not, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's just keep on going with what works. But I quit my nine to five and I thought, I'm just going to pursue this and just see how it goes. It wasn't going to be a side hustle. I was going to go all in. And within three months, I was booked out for social media management services and I was actually overbooked. I took on way too much work, all through word of mouth. So I wasn't really going all in on my own socials at that point. 
but I upskilled, I did the marketing courses, I did everything I could to make sure that I was in the best position to do the absolute best job for these beautiful humans. Then I started working 24-7 and I realized that maybe a done-for-you service in that capacity wasn't for me. And I made a very difficult decision about 12 months ago now, actually, to let go of all of my social media management clients and go into full-time coaching, which is what I do now. And so back then it was like a hybrid business model of coaching and done-for-you services. And now I have the honor of coaching coaches and service providers who want to stand out as the person, the only option for their ideal client. And so it's those people that well and truly want the results that they get from doing this, that I'm able to coach and, you know, help them build their presence online essentially and find that secret source and that story of theirs that's really going to resonate with their ideal client. Amazing. Before we even dive in further on what you do now, I have to pause and I have to back us up a little bit because you glossed over a couple of really incredible accomplishments that you said that you were able to have right out of the gate. And I know a lot of people listening are like, pause, wait a second. How did she do that first step? I want to know that first. So when you were transitioning first into the done for you portion where you were helping people actually make their their content and manage their social medias, I know you said that you were able to grow via word of mouth. But can we talk a little bit of what that process looked like? How did you get your name out there? Were you going door to door? Did you have business cards? How were you getting those first people that then were able to refer you to others? Because I know a lot of people right now are stuck in that place of, well, how do I just get the first client? So I would love to hear a little bit of what that journey or that piece of the journey looked like for you. Yeah, sure. So my original clients, the one, the interior designer and furniture store, they had people comment on their socials and say, you know, who's doing your socials? What's going on? You know, we've seen such a difference in what's coming out and they were able to refer a few people on. Then I had friends and family who were, who knew people, they were working corporate jobs, but they knew people who were in business and they would have conversations with them and things would come up about marketing and paid marketing and what are the options and I would be referred that way. And then as well as people messaging other businesses that I was taking care of the socials for saying, who's doing your socials as well. So I guess it all came down to the change in people's presence online and other people noticing that. I did print out business cards. I got very excited. (laughs) I printed out (laughs) But honestly, I didn't go to that many in-person events back then. That was, you know, when all the the stuff happened, the C word, and it just didn't do me any good to have those business cards. I did invest in creating a website and I started an Instagram account with the website on there. It was a good website. It described what I did and it was very much me and it went under my business name at the time. And now because I changed, you know, who I am online, I'm social Shirley instead of so me management, I still have that business name, but the management side of things, the agency, I don't do any work there. But back then the website for that agency, I definitely invested in that. I did put it out there and I, you know, I showed off my work whenever I could, 
But it was those first couple of clients, and I still do this to this day because it's just who I am, but I put my heart and soul into, you know, my clients. And I guess with all humility, the work speaks for itself. And when people ask, and it's simply a matter of this is what we're doing differently. Yeah, that's how I I was getting phone calls, basically, out of nowhere. That's incredible. And I think it's so important to highlight that for people too, because with the ease of marketing yourself online, so often I think we forget that word of mouth marketing exists even in the online space too. If you do a good job, people are going to want to share what you do with other people. And it sounds like that was the key to you growing and getting your name out there. And I know in my world as well, too, whenever somebody does a great job that I know, I share them as much as I can. I'm always so excited to refer someone. So I think that this is a beautiful thing to underline for people that people do talk, even online. You don't have to only rely on your social media content to do the work for you. But it can do a lot of the work for you. We know that that's true. So at this point, when you do get someone praising your work in this day and age, it's really time to find the confidence within you without any cockiness, you know, just straight out say, hey, someone has told me that my work is amazing and that I've changed their life and put that out there. The beauty of social media right now is that you can put a piece of social proof, screenshot a message that you got, even a question that you're getting about a program or anything else that you're putting out there. And it shows that people are talking about you. And if when you find the confidence in yourself to simply put it out there and say, hey, I found my talent. This is what I'm actually damn good at people listen. It's, it's the, it's the online version of word of mouth. And so this is everyone's permission to put the praise that comes your way out there. And you know what, in those beginning stages, I feel like we really do need the permission. I don't know what it is about our brains or what it is when it comes to promoting yourself, but so many people are so nervous to do it. And it feels almost like we shouldn't or like it's wrong or it's weird or there's just something impostery about it. But it really is what you have to do if you want to build. I mean, you have to advocate for yourself first and use the praise that people are giving you behind the scenes as your best foot forward. So I love giving people a little moment of extra permission around that. Let's dive into strategy on social media for people. And I almost want to start here with somebody who maybe is nervous, like we're saying, or they are just getting started. If we are looking high level at content strategy and promoting yourself on social media, where would you tell someone to start? What are the building blocks? What do we need to focus on first to make the most of our time on on Instagram or on any platform? Yeah. So Firstly, I would choose a posting schedule that suits you. Do not go for the two to three times a day. Don't fall into that trap. I went for a period of a couple of months where I was posting twice a day consistently. Was it my moment of biggest Instagram account growth? Yes, absolutely. Was it my moment of getting in the highest quality leads possible? No. Mm. Nothing happens when you go viral. Nothing happens for your business when you go viral. So I just want to preface everything I'm about to say with that. So first and foremost, on social media as a business owner and particularly as a coach or a service provider who is 
providing the service themselves. You want to be seen as a human being that these people are going to experience when they come into your paid world. But in order to be seen as that person, you need to give people a sample of what that looks like in your free content. If you are unable to provide a sample of your offer topics, your personality, your style, your values, your experience, and your expertise in every piece of content, the right people are not going to be attracted to you. You might get a whole bunch of random people who might relate to you on a human level when you put out entertaining content, but you will not get those soulmate clients that want you. And so really we're trying to do three things on social media. We are trying to attract the right people to our business. We are trying to nurture them so that they can build trust in us. And then we are converting them into people who have no questions in their mind that we are the one for them. And so in order to do that, for in order to grow and to attract the right people, we need to be human. That is the first and foremost foundation. You need to be human. You need to show that you are relatable. You need to tell your story of how you were there where they are now. You were once there. And then you need to describe your pivotal turning point, what changed for you. And then what were the lessons learned and the outcomes? And then this is where the money is. If you can relate that back to your offer, that is when people know that you can help them. And so with this type of content, you are answering questions with storytelling content in particular. You are answering the questions, does she get me first? Head of myself. Mm. Can she help me? Why should I buy now? Does she get me is so important. If people feel like you have always known what you've known or you're so natural at what you do and you didn't have to overcome any challenges or obstacles to get to where you are, you simply don't get their situation right now. You just don't. So they can't relate to you on that level. So does she get me? Can she help me? Can I trust her? Does she have authority? Does she have an authoritative voice in her industry? Can she help me? Why should I buy from her now? What's different about her? And what's different about this offer that is so enticing that I need in now? When you are creating content that reaches the right people and then nurtures them in that way, and then you convert them by relating it back to the bigger picture inside your paid world, that is when not only do you grow on social media, but the money really flows. You know that you are the source. You know, yes, create damn good offers, but it's not your offer. It's you. People want you and whatever you create, they're going to want in on. Mm, This is so good. Already so many good tangible tips coming in. I hope that you listening, all of you are taking notes, but I know a question that's going to come up and that is a good one to distinguish for people is when we're talking about answering these questions of does she get me? Can she help me? Why do I choose her? Are we doing this on our stories? Are we doing this on our feed or are we doing it in both? Both and in every single piece of content. And I know it sounds like a lot. The best way to do this is to put it through a test of, if this was the first time someone saw this piece of content, if they saw you on their explore page 
and they clicked on that piece of content and they swiped through that carousel post. They listened all the way through your talking reel. They watched your trending reel and then read the caption. Would they get a complete idea of who you are, who you help and how you help them? Mm. If the answer is no, something's got to be tweaked in there. And at the end of the day, when you are infusing your personality and your values and you are providing not educational content, but content that really shows that you get them and you can help them, it's really as simple as that. It doesn't need to be complicated. And I have to say that you are so good at keeping your socials simple. I would love to hear what your process for content creation looks like because it is just so so simple. I don't, I'm trying to think of another word for it, but you can tell that your content is well thought out. You can tell that there's a lot of intentionality behind it, but it's also the notes app for the most part, right? Or at least it looks like it's been created to look like the notes app. And so it's not these elaborate, crazy designs or reels where you're doing all of these insane transitions. You guys, she keeps it simple and it converts so well for her. So I would love to hear how you approach your content creation process, especially as a mom with three young kids who I know that you don't have just all the time in the world to be sitting around filming reels and making content. How do you approach this and make sure that what you're delivering is really high quality, but also something that you can execute day by day. Thank you for saying that. So yes, like you said, I don't have all the time in the world and we've all got our thing, right? Like everyone has something that uh, takes from their time, whether you choose it or not. Life puts us in situations and we've got limited time as business owners. What I used to do is probably what got me here now. And that was to plan out my content based on a really structured strategy of making sure that I am providing a really good big picture on my account of who I am as, you know, I'm I'm funny or I, I like to think I'm funny, but I like to make jokes. I'm sarcastic. I'm straight to the point. I what you see online is what you get. And so I wanted my account to really portray that. And so I used to sit down, plan out my content week by week and make sure that I am getting that balance right. Did I batch create my content at one point? Yes. Do I think that that is the absolute best way to do things? No. Do I have clients and people in my membership and my world who batch create and find it amazing for themselves? Yes. And I encourage those people to batch create. The way I discovered things, you know, to work the best way for me is intention. And you hit the nail on the head when you said there's intentionality behind it. I always start from the end and I reverse engineer all of my posts. What is the point of this post? is the question Mm. I always ask myself. And there's always a business intention and a community intention. What do I want for my business, my personal brand here right now? And what do I want my community to gain out of this? There are always two intentions behind every post. Sometimes the intention for the business has nothing to do with making sales. It could literally be that it's a piece of the puzzle to build my personal brand. It could be that I want people to save this so that I am known for that one story, that one topic. And so that's the business intention. 
the community intention is always what they what they get out of it. Can they either take, there are two things they can get out of it. Can they achieve a tangible result by doing mm-hmm. this thing that I'm telling them to do? Or can they experience a perspective shift that will change their lives? These two things are the only two things that will make people keep watching, keep swiping and stay on your caption and read it all the way through. And so it all comes down to intention. Then I work backwards and I decide, is there a story? Is there a moment in my day today? Or is there a moment this week that has happened that I can relate back to this intention? If there's a story, I will tell a story because I freaking love storytelling and the power that you can attain with storytelling in your marketing. It is underestimated. I need to pause you there for a second because anytime somebody brings up storytelling, I want to pick their brain on it because I know people get so stuck on this. Like people have such a hard time learning how to tell stories through their content. So if you have any tips around this or if you have a perspective shift, so on par with what we're saying around content right now, if we can deliver a little one here around storytelling, how would you help someone start to infuse more of this in your content, their content, excuse me, because I agree with you. It is so important and makes such a difference in how it's received. But I know people have a really hard time conceptualizing what that actually looks like. Yeah. So there are two main types of stories you can tell. Your bigger picture story, I like to call it. So the actual journey that you went on to get to where you are today in your business. Normally, 90% of the time, there is a moment in there that your ideal client wants to experience for themselves. You faced a similar or the same challenge that they're experiencing right now and there's a pivotal turning point and then you experienced results that is their desired outcome, your ideal client's desired outcome, and then you've got lessons, gold nuggets that you have gained from that entire experience that you can now put into your content to allow your ideal client to experience that perspective shift. And so that's your bigger picture story. Then my favorite types of stories. So you'd think that the bigger picture story was the main deal. And often when you are speaking about the bigger transformation that your business allows your ideal client to experience, we're referring to the bigger picture story. But when we are speaking to content that is engaging and relatable and answers those questions, does she get me? Can she help me? Why should I buy now? It's those day-to-day moments. And the biggest perspective shift I can give you right now is your life is not boring. I don't care. I was care just going to say that. <laughs> I, have, I have dealt with almost every coaching niche and every person who comes into my world starts off with saying, I struggle with telling stories on my stories and in my feed because I have nothing to say. My life is so boring. I just created a post yesterday about how I had an eye infection and sick kids at home. If that's not boring, (laughs) in inverted commas, I don't know what is. That is literally my day-to-day life. And, you know, storytelling takes practice and it's finding those quote-unquote boring moments that actually helps because they're the moments people actually relate to. If you say Mm -hmm. I was on a boat drinking champagne with my friends yesterday, how is that relatable? How are people going to listen? Oh, she's out of reach. She's so distant. I will never get to where she is now. 
What's the point of listening to her? She can't help me. It's those day-to-day relatable moments that you want to highlight in your content. And then it's romanticizing those moments and creating stories out of them that come back to the intention of your post, the lessons Mm. that you want to teach. What topic in your offers are you trying to get out there, trying to nurture your ideal client on? And how does this moment in your day relate to them? I love that so much. And especially the piece around permission of it's going to take some practice because something that I have found with storytelling, both in my own content and when I help other people with it as well is like you're saying, you have to know your offers really well too. Like you have to know what is the transformation people are having in your world so that you can start to pull out of like, oh, this small moment today, even though it was so boring, it does relate back to what I teach and I can make it exciting and I can make it relevant because I know that my ideal client experiences something similar. Like that all takes practice. That all takes putting in the reps of talking to your people and you noticing what's shifting with them and what resonated with them. So it's okay if you start and it's messy and you have a carousel that's maybe a little bit too wordy or a little bit too long at first. But we have to go through those messy reps in order to get to a point where our marketing gets clearer and clearer. I always think of it as like you have to sort through the muck first to get to the point where it actually is really good. Yes, exactly. And no one can avoid that messy part. We mm-hmm. all try to. Yep. <laughs> we all try to say, okay, I'm just going to hire the mentor and in three months I am going to be where they are and I'm going to avoid all the mess. I'm going to avoid all the muck, as you said, and you don't want to. The, the stuff that you get out of that, the experience that you get from that is what makes you a better coach. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. Okay. I have a question for you that I know people are going to ask or people are going to think. We look at accounts like yours who have a large following count behind it and people tend to disqualify and say to themselves because we're scared and we don't want to do the hard work and all the things come up of, well, it's easy for you to say, Shirley, because you have X amount of followers. You have the big account. Everything's going to happen easier for you. What about me? What about me when I'm just starting out? And I want to go here with you for a second because I saw you post something recently about your income hasn't dramatically increased by increasing your followers. Your income Mm -hmm. increased when you learned something else, everything else that you now teach on how to actually convert and make community and build connections with people. So for somebody who is really stuck on the follower count, what advice or wisdom can we share with them from where you are now? Yeah. So I was very stuck on my follow account. I started off with a hundred family members, basically, (laughs) (laughs) who were supporting my business and, you know, grew slowly to 800 followers. And it was at that point that life was good. Like business was successful. I was doing my social media management. I was overbooked with clients. I was making good money. And then I decided to post twice a day. I was creating a lot of reels. I was being very relatable and I started to go viral. And that is when my account started to grow. And I grew pretty quickly over the course of three months to 15,000 followers. And at that point, I was making the exact same amount of money as I was at 800 followers. Mm. And it took me realizing that there is a huge mismatch 
between what I thought was going to happen when I had over 10,000 followers compared to the reality of what is happening right now at 15,000 followers. And it took a moment of stopping and thinking, okay, what do I actually want? First of all, why do I want the followers? Why do I want tens of thousands of followers? What is the foundational intention here? What is it I want to get out of it? And I realized that there was nothing except my ego. I can grow my account, therefore I can help you grow your account. But then I thought, is that really why my business exists to help people grow their Instagram account? Or is growing your Instagram account a byproduct of putting great content out there that has the original intention of growing your business? And everything shifted for me in that moment. And not only did I want to help people grow their businesses, and I realized that as my foundation for my business, but also I wanted to become a thought leader. I don't want tens of thousands of followers for no reason. I want Mm -hmm. to speak. I want to get my message out there. I want to be invited on podcasts. I want people to reach out and say, hey, this resonated with me so much and tell me their stories about how they're at home with their little one trying to get stuff done and they've got so much pressure on themselves trying to get offer after offer after offer out there for what? And my story resonated with them. Those were the moments that I wanted. I didn't want a big following. And so it was after that point that I stopped trying so hard to grow my account and I started focusing on both my business why and my community why. And then it was at that point that I was able to scale my business because I became a different person when I showed up. I had the same content strategy. I was still putting content out there that reaches the right people, nurtures them, and then converts them. But I was a different person showing up and Mm -hmm. it showed. And the right people, the soulmate clients started to feel a deeper connection. And that is when that transformation happened for me, which I now call you become the only option for them. And they literally will buy anything you put out there. I've got screenshots of people messaging me saying, I know you've just said it's the VIP wait list, but I'm here, like take my money. And Does that happen with every single person? No, of course not. Do I want it to happen with every single person? No. A magnet attracts and repels. Ooh, yes. A magnet attracts and repels. That is such a good way to think about it. But what a great reminder for people to tap in who are maybe like, I just need to get to 1,000 followers or 10,000 followers. I know that that's such a big one for people. Is a pause for a second and just like you said, ask yourself why. What's going to change when you cross that mark? And is this the best place to be putting your time and energy of just trying to get the numbers up? Or is it being more in touch with the people who are already here? I think we get so desensitized to the numbers on the screen and we forget that there's humans watching us. And those are the people who already voted and said, I like what you're doing and I want to see more to the point where I stuck around. And there's options online and those humans chose you. And so whether it's a hundred or a hundred thousand, we got to remember that those are real people on the other side of the screen. And the best thing that you can do is connect to them while they're here. And just like you beautifully said, when you start to focus on that, it's almost like the growth happens without you even trying because you're getting 
better feedback from people. They're telling you more of what they want to see. You're feeling excited. You're feeling engaged. Content creation becomes fun. It's not fun when you're just focused on growth. Yes. Oh my goodness. It is draining. I mean, it's a great ego boost when you wake up and you've gained a hundred followers overnight and you're like, yes, but then it just, it's a dopamine hit. Mm -hmm. And then what? What's the next step? And what's the next step for your business and your life? Your business and your life are closely linked. They are not one and the same, but they are closely linked. And so everything you do in your business should positively impact your life. What is a follow account going to do for your life? These people aren't actually here in your home listening to what you are saying. They, they might not even be interested in what you're saying. They might be interested in that one viral reel that you were so funny in. Mm-hmm. And then what for your business? Oh, and then what? What a good question. We think that, you know, more followers is going to save everything or going to fix everything. And it's like, well, I won't have to work on anything else if I just get more followers. And I hope that this conversation is saving some people from having to learn that the hard way, like so many people have, myself included. There's a reason I walked away from an account that had 30,000 followers to go to, I think, We started back over with 500 followers and I'll just add this in there too as validation. My income didn't change when I went from 3,000 to 30,000 or when I went from 30,000 to back to 500. The income stayed the same. And so it is just a vanity metric at the end of the day unless you are at a place where you already know how you want people to move in your world. And so often when we're just focused on growth first, we don't know the answer to that question. So- I want to talk to you more about now what role does the algorithm and growth play in your strategy? Is going viral ever on your mind? I feel like I know the answer to this already, but where does thinking about the algorithm and how it's going to work with your posts and maybe going viral, like do these cross your mind? How do you think about it when you go to post your content every day? So having experienced what I have with going viral, I do not want to go viral ever again. (laughs) I would much rather a consistent stream of ideal dream soul clients following me. And you know what I used to do? The difference here, I used to wake up, see these hundred followers come through overnight, would not even look at who they were. Mm. I just saw the number, put my phone down, did a little happy dance and got on with my day. Now I literally stalk some of the people that will follow me. (laughs) If I get 20 followers overnight, which is my average now, I will go in and have a look and be like, yes, oh, this person's amazing and look at what they're doing. And, I mean, I don't always have time to do that, but it's that attitude shift of these people are in my world for a reason now and it really cements it. When I put content out there, I'm speaking to that person that followed me, that dream client that I know I can help, that Mm -hmm. person who followed me for a reason. Let me keep giving that reason to them. And so it is a huge perspective shift. I don't want to go viral again. What role does the algorithm play? It still does play a role in terms of you've got to get good at your strategy. You've got to have good copywriting skills, and these can be developed. You've got to understand the structure of both your main piece of content and your caption to hook people in, but also 
hold their attention the whole way through so that they actually get to your call to action where you're saying, here's my amazing offer, take it or leave it. And it's an invitation. You've also got to do a lot of inner work and that does play a role Mm. when it comes to the algorithm because you could be giving the algorithm way too much power. While it's important to have a solid strategy to be using the right words, not to use industry jargon, to be nurturing your ideal clients on the basis of the questions they're asking, so what they want to know, not what they need to know. Whilst it's important to do all of those things, the inner work is I know this is going to reach the right people because I have put the right topics in there. I've said it the right way. I'm following a strategy and then leaving it, not looking at it, you know, two hours later, realizing it's only had three likes and then taking it down. Because the biggest thing I've learned other than nothing happens when you go viral is my lowest performing quote unquote posts are my highest converting posts. Hmm. I like want you to say that again for people because yes. <laughs> it's so My true. Performing posts, according to the Instagram algorithm, are my highest converting posts. And I will also say at this point that I have a couple of members in my membership who don't follow me from their business account. Oh my gosh. It's their choice. It's their prerogative. Mm -hmm. I'm happy for them not to. I'm helping them in the best way I can now in my paid world. And so it's moments like this that need to sink in for people to realise that the algorithm, while it plays some role in who sees your content, it is not the be-all and end-all. Yeah, absolutely. For people who are listening to that and they're like, well, why, what do you mean your lowest performing posts are your highest converting posts? Can we dig into that a little bit? Why, why is that? And what do you mean when you say that? Sure. So I used to be stuck in the trap of creating what I call educational content. And my definition of educational content is tips, tricks, and hacks. And basically these are lists or processes or anything that people want to save and come back to later. That's one option of the type of content I used to create. The other type of content is entertaining content where it would be really bite-sized, funny, sarcastic, entertaining pieces of content, normally trending reels that I would put out there for the purpose, not of connection. So I still do these with the purpose of connection, but the the sole purpose of these would be to get more views and people would share those. And so really it's the saves, the shares. They're the kinds of performance metrics that I'm referring to here. Now, do my posts get saved? Yes, absolutely. But for different reasons. Do they get shared? Yes, for different reasons. People will share controversial topics that I post about. People will save things that they want to come back later, not because it's a massive list, but because the message hit home and they want to read it in their down point the next time they're feeling that way. And so while it's still important to create content that resonates and content that is relevant, the shares and the saves are byproducts of that. But these performance metrics do nothing for my business, my bank account, my impact inside my world. And so whilst those posts don't perform as well, they they convert the highest because people 
re- it resonates so deeply with people that they go onto my profile, they click on my links and they join my offers. And all I did was put my thoughts out there because I've changed who I am and how I show up. I'm glad that we called out those types of posts specifically because when you are trying to grow your account and you're looking at what other people are doing who are going viral and who are hitting the Explorer page, that's all you see. Like if you go to either like the Reels tab or you go to the Explorer page and are looking at the carousels, it's all tips. It's all lists. It's all these little hacks. But like you said, I mean, maybe someone's going to save that for later, but I've never bought from somebody because they put together a really good list. Like I've never bought from someone because they told me how to do something and now I don't need to hire them to tell me how to do it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it's so easy to get lost and be like, well, this got 200 saves. So this must be like a great post and what I should be sharing. Yes, it performed well in terms of, you know, the metrics, but did people convert on the back end of that? Did people feel closer to you, connected to you, or did they just take something right from that post and continue on with their day exactly. in a way that doesn't build that connection with you. So I think that's such a, a cool thing to call out for people because it's easy to fall into that trap. I actually just yeah. had this conversation in my mastermind the other day around if it's getting saved, should I keep doing more of this or is it not helping my business? So love it so much. I We talk about carousels. I feel like photos are dead. I'm like, I was going to ask you between the different styles of posts here. And I'm like, do I even bring up photos? Because I haven't seen just the straight. Like single image posts with like a a sassy quote. Yes. Yes. (laughs) An authority quote. Yeah. (laughs) Those are alive. That's a great point. But when you're going to create now, is there something or is there a way you direct people or a way you think about balancing between creating reels and creating more of those static posts or carousels for your feed? Should people be doing both? Do they have different benefits? Where should we be putting our time and energy? Yeah. And I feel like we've gone back and forth as an Instagram community and Instagram themselves have gone back and forth on Mm -hmm. us about which one's better and which one we should do. At the end of the day, it's what resonates with you as a person, what your style is, as well as what resonates with your community. And it does take practice and experimentation to find out what this is. I personally do not recommend if someone's brand does not match those trending reels. If you do not, if you don't want to be sarcastic and there is a trending audio that is purely sarcastic, don't do it. Don't go against who you are. Don't go against your values, your personality. So it really comes down to what you're comfortable doing. And that's not to say don't go outside of your comfort zone. Definitely push the boundaries with your comfort zone, but do not go against your own values and personality when it comes to achieving this balance that I'm about to speak about. So the balance is it's a good idea to to do to create all types of content, all formats. The essential thing is that your messaging is correct. That's all that matters. Whatever format you choose to use, like right now, I I have had something wrong with my eye for the last couple of weeks. I haven't had time or energy or the face (laughs) to create, um, you know, any sort of reels, talking reels or trending reels. Might I create a couple more before my husband and kids come home this morning? Yeah, 
yeah, maybe if I feel like it, but there's not that pressure to create a certain format of reel because my carousel posts convert really, really well. And I'm comfortable doing those on my couch in, you know, 20 minutes and putting it out there. And so it really comes down to what you want to do, but also a lot of experimentation to see what your community wants from you. General, general, bigger picture advice. Yeah, sure. It's a good idea to have a really good balance of all of the content types on your feed, as well as selling in your stories. That's mm, really you, important. That is exactly where I was about to go next is, okay, so this is feed content. Actually, first, before we even go there, is there a recommendation? I know you said don't feel like you have to post two, three times a day, but is there a number of benchmark of posts per week that people should be aiming to put on their feed? Yeah. So I don't like putting a whole solid number on it, but I would say the minimum would probably be three times. Unless you're a huge, huge account, you could mm. get away with twice a week. And really for me, it comes down to, and this might sound so far-fetched, but it comes down to respect for your community. They're following you for a reason. If you are only posting when you have a launch or if you are only posting when you feel like it once every two weeks, to me that is not recognising that the people behind the screens are actually actual human beings. You can have a break whenever you want. It doesn't, if, if there's like a one-off week or two weeks or a month where you need a break, that's absolutely fine. That's not something that you, you know, intentionally doing or, you know, it's, it's a planned thing. But when mm-hmm. you are saying, oh, I'm just going to post whenever I feel like it or only post when I want to sell, it comes from a place of selfishness and it doesn't show respect to the people behind their screens. And so that's when you see a lot of you content coming out. It's it's content that benefits you, like me content. Whereas when you post for your ideal client, you will find that you have so much within you. You have a fire in your belly that you can't post once a week. You don't want to, you want to put more content out there. So I would say in terms of just consistency and frequency, I would say three times a week, but no pressure. Choose a schedule that suits you. At the moment, I'm posting three times a week. A few weeks ago, I was posting six times a week. And so it just depends on life as well, right? Life happens Mm -hmm. and you can't always predict what's going to happen. And we are all humans at the end of the day. So yes, be respectful to your community, but also don't be so hard on yourself. Oh, that is so good, Shirley. Like that is a mic drop moment. I have never heard somebody take that perspective on it, that it's respectful to your community to show up for them. If they voted and said, hey, I want to be here and I want to see from you, it is it is selfish to only post during a launch or during a period when you want something from people. It's a give and take. It's a relationship at the end of the day. I think that is such a cool and refreshing way to think about how you go about posting on your feed and reassuring to know that there is no one right answer. We all have different lives. We all have different energy. We all have different seasons, like you said. So the answer might always be a little bit different, but you want to be consistently there at the end of the day, whatever that looks like for whatever season of business that you are in. Yes. Stories. Yes. (laughs) 
quickly <laughs> in the time that we have left. What is the strategy on stories? We've covered feed. We know how to leave here and rock our feed strategy, but what should people be posting on their stories or how should we be thinking about it? Because I know you know, and I'm sure you'll share so much wisdom. It really is the best place to sell on Instagram. Yes, it's the safest place for you as the coach and it's the safest place for them as well. Mm-hmm. And stories are a gold mine. Do not underestimate the power of your Instagram stories. Can you post whatever you feel like posting? Yeah, sure. Should you be using that to your advantage and making sure that everything relates back to building either your brand or your business? Yes, 100%. And so with stories, I have five types of essential content that I like to recommend posting, and they are transparency content, documentation content, creation content, community content, and serve and sell content. Creation content and serve and sell content, it's the type of content that you post with the absolute intention of selling. There's no question about it. You're on your stories. You're about to sell an offer that day. You can create problem-aware content on your stories. You can challenge a thought that is happening in your industry at this time. You can say, I just had a client conversation. This is what happens. This is how it relates to my offer. Here's my offer. Serve and sell content is scripts basically where you are, it's, you're not putting on a show. You're not doing anything that is outside of your genuine self, but you are articulating things in a way where your offer, the value in your offer is truly shown in what you are saying. So you are telling people that this offer is for them basically and excluding the people who the offer is not for. So creation and serve and sell content, that's the kind of content where the intention is to sell. The rest of the content, it's actually my favorite type of content because it comes so naturally and it can turn into a pitch. Mm -hmm. Transparency content is when you are showing off your values You are embodying what you preach and teach, and it's literally your natural life. For me, it's spending time with my kids, and that is a non-negotiable for me. I have structured my business so that whilst it's successful, I still get that time in the morning with my kids. That's non-negotiable to me. So that's one of the things that I use in my transparency content. And what it is, it's opening up the doors, the windows into my life so that people see how I am living, what I am teaching them to do. Documentation content is behind the scenes content of you, you know, doing your thing in your business. So whilst transparency builds your brand, documentation builds your business, it builds your credibility. Oh, she actually does what she says she does. You know, she's building offers, she's, you know, behind the scenes coaching. So that's documentation content. And then of course, community content is when you are asking for them to contribute, whether you're using polls or stickers or you're encouraging, you know, DMs, you could be asking a question about something so simple. Like for example, I put on my stories the other day that I can't leave the house if it's not clean. I must clean the house, (laughs) but I also hate being late to anything. So there's always this mad rush before we, you know, get out of the house to make sure that it's clean. And I was like, does anyone else feel that way? And it's, it's lighthearted. It honestly doesn't have 
any sort of sales intention at all, but it does come into play when it comes to building your brand. And so all of these three types of content, transparency, documentation, and community content can actually lead into a sale. So Mm. all five types can. The first two I spoke about, you know, they're direct sales pitches, whereas the others, it just comes so naturally, which is why I love it so, so much. You could literally be saying, hey, this is the behind the scenes and guess what? You get to do this too with my new offer and so on. And so, yeah, stories are not to be underestimated. The more genuine you are on your stories and as vulnerable as you are comfortable being, vulnerability is a muscle. We must practice it and push it more and more Mm -hmm. as we go. But vulnerability is really our superpower. And if you can show that you are both human and the expert on your stories and build that no like trust factor even deeper than what you have on your feed, you'll find it so easy to sell every day. Mm. And I'm having so much of like a full circle moment here back to what we've been talking about before with this being practice, this being yes. knowing your your business and what you're selling as well. Because even if I think on my own experience of sharing on stories, I'm at a place now where it's very easy for me to take like a snippet of my life and turn that into a lead in into talking about an offer. But it wasn't in the beginning. At first I was just, you know, posting my cat, posting my daily walk. Like I didn't have the skill set yet to transition that seamlessly. But if you just start to pay attention and to practice and to put in the reps, it's going to get easier and easier. And I want everybody who's listening to go back through these last five minutes of this podcast here and just take notes because Shirley just gave you so many good points to try to hit when you are sharing on your stories. With our last couple of minutes here, the last thing I want to chat with you about and pick your brain on is what do we do when it just feels like the algorithm is working against you, reaches down, your engagement is down. I feel like I've been hearing people talk about this for months on end now about how the reach is down. I'm not getting as many likes as I used to. Is this something people should be worried about? What can they do to turn things around or what metrics should they be looking for? Any advice that you have for somebody that feels like they just can't catch a break when it comes to posting on Instagram right now? Yeah. I have a few things to say about this. The first thing is go and get your nails done. (laughs) (laughs) My thing here, let me explain this. Your energy is 50% of the work. You showing up with that same energy you started with when engagement was up, when reach was up, when people were watching your stories, when people were clicking on your links and DMing you, that energy is hard to hold when engagement and reach goes down. Go and do something to ground in that first energy that you had. And for me, it really is, I'll do my nails or I will wash my hair or, you know, (laughs) I'll clean my space. Like something to, I'll go for a walk, something to bring that energy back up because it, it really does come down to who you are when you show up. People feel that in your posts. Your copywriting mm-hmm. could be on point. If you write a caption when you are in that low moment of, oh, is anyone even going to see this? What's the point of doing this? I've got a million other things to do. This is taking so long. If you are in that energy, it comes through your words. So do something to ground in 
the first energy you had. The second thing is just as not permission, but comfort, I guess, for people, my reach and engagement are down too right Mm. now. The thing is though, if it affects your business, if it's impacting your business, that's when you need to make a tweak. You should still be getting conversions with your reach and engagement being down. And that comes, the strategy comes into play here. So are you creating the type of content that is going to make even the three people that see your content, is it going to make them feel something? Is it going to move them? Is it going to trigger them, activate them into taking action? And so your energy, your strategy. And then the last thing is that you need to stay consistent with it and persistent. People Mm. speak about consistency all the time. I believe it's about persistence because you can be consistent for two months. If you stop at that point, you are leaving money on the table because it was probably at the third, fourth, fifth or sixth month that you were going to start reaping the benefits of that consistency that you had maintained. So stay persistent with it. Take my, you know, my low reach, my low engagement, everyone I'm speaking to, I'm talking big accounts. I'm speaking to people with over 100,000 followers who are saying the exact same thing. Hmm. So take that as a piece of comfort. You are not the only one. And then the last thing is when you are in these moments where you're like, I just wish someone could tell me what kind of content right now I could put out there to break this cycle. I call this disruptive content. And disruptive content is either brand building content or storytelling content that literally disrupts the feed. So you could think of an outrageous opinion that you have, an authoritative piece that you want to put out there that really builds your brand, something only you would say, you know, problem aware content. The problem isn't this, it's this, something that shocks your audience And then the other one, of course, is storytelling content. When you get vulnerable and you tell about a moment that changed your life and could change their life, that's also disruptive content. So that's kind of a practical way to kind of break the cycle. But at the end of the day, low reach and low engagement should not mean anything for your business in the long term. Yeah, that is such a good metric to come back to is what are my actual business metrics? Is this actually impacting me or is this just a wave that's going on with the algorithm right now, even if it feels like it's a longer one than it's been in the past that I just need to ride out? But in the actuality, I'm fine. Yeah. Such a good way to kind of ground yourself back in. I agree with so much of what you said. My thing with people too is I'm always like, go have some fun, like stop refreshing this post eight times a day and go do something that makes you feel good because you're not going to change the results with how much you refresh your Instagram feed. But I'm going to add one that's maybe a little bit spicier than you might say, but this is a check that I always give myself, you guys. If I feel like I'm in a bit of a a rut with my posts, I, I check myself and I'm like, Emily, are you being boring? Would you like your own post? Are you getting value out of your own post right now? Is there anything in here that's actually serving your people or have you gone a little stale? Same thing. It ties right back to the energy we were talking about. If you're not, if you're not feeling it, 
that's yeah. going to ultimately come out through how you're writing your copy and how you're making your content. So even if you're checking the boxes of like, okay, I'm doing all the things Shirley said, I have these types of content, they might not be received very well because you don't have any enthusiasm behind them to get people activated. So yeah. like I said, I don't think you would ever position it that way to people, but that's the check I always <laughs> like to do for myself. That was <laughs> too I nice. <laughs> Amazing. Well, this has been so incredible, Shirley. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom and all of your value. I love the way that your brain puts this information together in a way that is just so easy for people to understand and so tangible for them to take and apply to their strategy. If they would love to connect with you further, what is the best place for them to find you? Thank you so much, Emily. You are an absolute gem. If anyone who is listening would like to connect, I am on Instagram at social.shirley. Beautiful. All right, you guys, as always, we will link it in the show notes. Shirley, thank you again, and I will see you all in the next episode. Hey, before you go, I've got two quick things for you. Number one, I want to say thank you so much for being here. It truly means the world to me that you choose to spend your time here listening to these conversations, tuning in with me, soaking up all of this information and everything that we are going through together. I cannot express how much gratitude I have for you for being here on this journey with me. With that said, number two, the second thing I have for you is I want to make sure that since you're here, you have my phone number. Seriously, I have an inner circle daily text list where every single day, Monday through Friday, I send out a positive affirmation or a journal prompt or something I've been thinking about, or even an aha moment that has completely shifted my perspective that I want to share with you too. So you can share in on everything that I am working on to grow and continue evolving and continuing to be the best version of myself. I want to share those things with you. And the best place to do it is through this inner circle daily text list. So if you want to get on this list, if you want to receive these messages from me, and again, yes, it's really me. It's coming straight from my phone. What you need to do is text the word community to my number at 213-606-3853. Again, that's the word community to my number 213-606-3853. 3853. As soon as you send me over that tax, I will send you a message back with the quick details to officially register for this inner circle daily text list. And once you are all registered, we are ready to get to texting. The messages all go straight to my phone. I see all of the replies. I look at them. I send you messages back. So it is such a great way for us to connect and continue to work on our growth together. So go ahead and shoot me that message ASAP so that we can get connected.